Welcome everyone to House on Fire, an Austin Oaks Church parenting podcast, where we talk about all things parenting for every phase. Our desire is to help you raise the next generation of believers to be simply about Jesus. And today we have on the podcast, Greg and Faith Pope. Thanks so much for being on. You're welcome. Glad to have you guys. And we're going to dive right on in. Uh, but before we do, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. So those listening, um, if they run into you on a Sunday morning, they'll be like, oh, you're so-and-so. And they may have a question to ask you based off the podcast because they maybe will know your voice, but they won't know your face yet. So just tell us a little bit about you guys yourselves. Ladies first. All right. So I'm Faith. I grew up in Peru. My parents were missionaries. Um, and I moved to the United States when I was 12 years old. I am currently a director of curriculum and instruction for a public school district, but I've been a public educator for 30 years. And we have two children, an uh, 18-year-old who's going off to college and a 14-year-old who's going into high school. Yeah. And are you like in the realm of your, like I've talked to a lot of teachers that are like, because of COVID and all that stuff, they're like, yeah, I want to get out sooner than later. <laughs> so... 30 years is a long time to be in public school education. And it's not because I'm running away from that. I truly do feel like God is showing me areas that maybe I would want to do something else. Okay, cool. So Awesome. Mm -hmm. Greg? Awesome. Uh, My name is Greg, and I'm uh, married to faith. Been uh, been, uh, an Austin firefighter for 24 years, working on year 25 now. Um, I was born and raised in Orange County, California, in Yorba Linda, Mission Viejo area. Faith and I moved out here approximately 28 years ago. And just like I said, we have an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. And I um, uh, don't know how many years I'm going to go in the Austin, Fi- Austin Fire Department, but um, it's been an enjoyable career, and it's been great living here in Texas for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, but you were also, you're yeah. like a, a police officer. Well, yes was still is kind of like right like both at the same time for a while yes the jack of all trades master of none (laughs) (laughs) which i love i'm like oh that's i'm i'm love i like that yeah so when uh, we moved here in 1994 i was trying to i was applying with multiple fire departments around the area dallas san antonio austin and it was extremely hard to get in to get onto one of those, and it took me three years. During that time, I kind of fell into police work. I was a San Marcos police officer for three full-time, or a full full-time for three years, and uh, it did it as a reserve, as a San Marcos police officer, for, for 20. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow. and so now the Austin Fire Department carries my peace officer commission. So I'm considered still a, a yeah. licensed Texas peace officer, and that was, that's been an enjoyable, enjoyable part of my career as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's an interesting time to oh. be a police officer. Um, my heart goes out for my brothers and sisters. Oh, man. Blue. Yeah. It's a rough time to be a, a police officer. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, well, today we're going to be talking about raising black teenagers in today's world. So, um, and so maybe just to help shape just some of the context here. Um, so... <laughs> Looking at you, Faith, I would just assume biased that you're a typical white American, uh, and I would be completely wrong with that assumption. Yes. So you grew up in Peru. You're you're bilingual. Yes. Right. Yes. And so you, you would probably identify more like with, with that culture than you would American culture, yes. right? Is that that is absolutely correct? Okay. So a lot of people make assumptions about me because of the way I look, because I yeah. am a white female. Yeah. And. Um, I am very much about, you know, understanding the Hispanic culture. I feel very comfortable around Hispanic families. Um, I speak Spanish fluently. So, yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. just to help shape the. Yes. It's very weird to say these things. And even even the top. I remember even when we were talking about the topic, I'm like, do we want to say raising black teenagers? Because that's like. Yes. Is that appropriate to say, you know, so anyway. So so, I am white, but I call him Moose. He's been that to me since we married. So if I say Moose, I mean Greg. Yeah. But Moose is black. So, and we do have two black children. Yes. That's kind of, kind of how it works. (laughs) So, (laughs) and I love it. I love it. Uh, So basically we want to, the discussion we specifically want to talk about is raising black teenagers in today's world. And so, um, you know, why has this topic hit home for you guys. I mean, other than the obvious and the fact that, I mean, this is part of your guys' lives. 
right. uh, more so than it would be for mine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to, so I think for us, like, um, being white and married to Moose, you know, I feel like we should have a really good understanding of what black is and being black and growing up black because I've listened to him a lot on that perspective. Yeah. Um, but today's world is different than the world mm. that Moose grew up in. Oh, yeah. So, and also Moose grew up in an all-white family because he was mm. adopted. Yeah. So his being raised in an all-white family did... Um, have his experiences be were different mm-hmm. than what it would have been had he been raised in a, in a different family. Yeah. Um, so for us just thinking that we knew what we were doing, walking into this, um, we've realized like it's been an eye opener for me mm-hmm. just to watch how people respond to my son without knowing he's my son. And then when they find out he's my son, things change. Mm-hmm. Um, and i never would have anticipated that I would have never, Um, I never thought that would be something that we would have to, you know, uh, address, but it has put us in a situation where I think we weren't prepared for raising our kids in today's world. Mm. Um, so I think, and again, I think there's a lot of, um, opinions about things that people don't have a background in, but they've hold very tight to those opinions. Yeah. And so it, it has caused a lot of conversations to happen at home with people that we love who don't understand that can say very hurtful things that people who love us and want to better understand and ask us questions. So, yeah. and I think as a church, you know, we want to be able to be salt and light to everyone mm-hmm. so um, yeah. that does require us to be in spaces sometimes that are different than what we might be used to oh for sure absolutely yeah great you want to add anything to that my man it's um being 51 years old i thought by this time i would have had a realization of and i'm comfortable in my skin but watching my children trying mm-hmm. to find comfort in their skin has been interesting especially with recent events. Uh, growing up in Southern California, I grew up in a very predominantly white area. Um, just like with Faith, growing up being white in South America, she considers herself more South American and yeah. Peruvian for sure. Yeah. Whereas me, I grew up in a very white environment. Um, at the time, you know, I think I found more comfort uh, around Caucasian people. Yeah. And you know, I grew up just south of LA where yeah, I mean, I could have gone up 30 minutes north of where I lived and been immersed in the African-American culture. I just didn't. Yeah. And um, as a result, I think it gave me, um, and hopefully this isn't too harsh of a word, but I think it gave me more of con- kind of an ignorance mm-hmm. of, of, of growing, what, what growing up black was about. When growing up black, um, I was excluded from things and called the N-word quite a few times. I just didn't quite understand why. And it was hurtful. Um, I didn't understand it. I don't think the people who were using that term understood what they were saying to me, but I knew that I I was different. There weren't a lot of, um, there were, uh, um, I grew up around Hispanics, but not not a whole bunch. Hmm. And so it was, it was more of a, you know, someone who, I mean, just to, just to, just to describe to your um, listeners, I mean, I, I look like um, Obama. You know, so I'm just. You do look a lot like Obama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I get that all the time. I have some really funny stories about when he was running. I know. know. Oh, I didn't even. Oh, that is so true. Uh, Oh man, I. Sorry. Yeah, that's. (laughs) I could totally (laughs) see somebody like that's Obama. Like anyway. But um, (laughs) and so growing up, it was. um, I think I took on a certain understanding from a white perspective. And that translated into my adulthood to where um, even my parents, when they found out that Faith and I were moving here to Texas in 1994, they were concerned, and especially for an interracial couple. Yeah. Um, there was no doubt about it that, that, you know, they had reservations about us moving here to Texas. Uh, yeah. Once they found out that we were moving into the Austin-San Antonio area and that, you know, we have a bunch of Air Force bases, a lot of military here, I think their, their, their apprehension lessened. But... Um, uh, just, you know, I, I've, I would say in the last five years, I've come to the realization and more of a, more of an understanding of how to raise 
children in this environment. And um, even after 2008, with a predominantly white nation electing a black president, at that point, I was like, man, this is the turning point. This is where our nation turn, turn, turns the corner. And I'm not going to make this political or, or, or anything like that. But um, And it's just... It's, it's been interesting, especially over the last three years, trying to help my children understand, uh, trying to bond with them, but yet trying to help them absorb and digest what's going on in the world today. Yeah. Did your parents have issues with you guys getting mm, married? That's a good question. Beca- and question. Per- due to skin color. Yeah. Um, so I remember sitting down with my dad and telling him I was dating a black man and asking him if he had an issue with was this like college or college okay okay yeah and my dad said the only concern i have is for your children Hmm. so and so but that was it like you know if they were having a hard time with him it had nothing to do with his skin color (laughs) might have been with some (laughs) of the stuff you would say out loud that i was like uh not appropriate with my parents But we'll talk that, about that yeah. later. I'm, I'm intrigued now. Um, <laughs> yes, but it had nothing like his concern was for our children. So, and I mean, not to assume, but if you're, if you have white parents, adopted parents, I would assume that then they would be more okay with interracial relationships versus, I would assume at least. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really do believe that. Um, my parents had no problem with whether I was dating a, a white, Hispanic, black, um, of, of, of Asian descent. Yeah. They would have no problem with that. Uh, my mom, uh, back in the 60s, marched with Martin Luther King, and she was white. So it's, it was very interesting. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, she had no problem with it. But, you know, and knowing that faith's parents were missionaries, uh, it, it didn't give me any pause at mm. all so i don't think either of our parents really were concerned for us except for moving here to texas <laughs> as, and, an, as an interracial couple yeah and the sad thing is is the first time they came to visit us we oh. took them to new Braunfels because yeah. she loves antiquing and there was a kkk rally happening downtown oh boy yeah. so we we're like um yeah. yeah you really don't have anything to be concerned about <laughs> we're really sorry that we brought you to the wrong place <laughs> at the wrong time yeah so it was, it was just it was it was it's like a poetic joke. yes like we were telling them <laughs> for years this place is great it's that is so funny military area you know that stuff doesn't happen here and the and the first weekend that they're here they have a kkk rally in, in, in New <laughs> and we were there like <laughs> with all the police and we're like oh goodness oh, yeah. anyway that well it makes me think of road rules we were in uh san marcus actually and we're just i'm like man what's this thing going on it was like a a pride rally thing. And I'm no. like, I'm like, nobody see me. Like, I'm like, complete. Uh, anyway, I just thinking like, you look what youth pastors yeah. go. Anyway, just, I was thinking all the things that no tweeting out. Yeah. yeah. I was right like, no, 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 that's a, anyway. So yeah, I could imagine, um, your parents being like, I think they're lying to us. Like, yeah. I, yeah. uh, anyway, so right. our parents say they made a mistake. They're too embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to do whatever to make us to, to put, to put the illusion forward. That yeah. Everything's okay. Yeah, man. Um, well, how, what's been the hardest struggle? Um, and that may even be a, just, but maybe a, a few struggles when it comes to raising black teenagers in today's world. Cause, and I like your, your, um, observation, like, like Greg, your upbringings had to have been way different. Um, in, 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 in every aspect, probably compared, you know, compared to, to, to today and what, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've had so many conversations with students about going to rallies and, this particular subject matter and it's like the, there's opinions across the board everywhere and i'm like oh like can we just it's just it's a lot mm-hmm. I, um so so what's been some of the hardest struggles um that you guys have had in this endeavor um so i think for like for me personally um is seeing especially garrison um he always walks in in a defensive mode no matter where we are (laughs) i'm laughing because i know your son so i yeah but it makes me sad because i think i know the first thing he's doing in any situation he's in is he's scoping out to see if he's safe Hmm. and i'm not talking about just physically safe i'm talking about emotionally safe too So because he's been raised around a lot of people who don't look like him, like he struggles between, am I supposed to act like what I see people who look like me act? Or am I supposed to be okay with being in spaces with people who don't look like me? So, and unfortunately for him, he has been 
targeted. Um, and so he already has felt the unsafeness of being black. And so because of that, he goes into every space, like any new space, any typical space already scoping out, like, is this person going to understand me? Is this person going to treat me safely? Um, is this person going to be okay with the way I dress or whatever it is? And I just feel like for the age that he's in, it makes me very sad for him that, that's like not fear, but this, this apprehension is the first emotion that hits him in new situations. Yeah. So. Yeah. For me with, with our kids, it's mainly for Garrison. Again, I know, um, I know we have two, two children, but we tend to kind of gravitate more towards raising up, um, a black son. And, and for me, um, it's more of the law enforcement point of view to where, I just want everybody to realize again that you know I've I've been a police officer since 1995, and my heart goes out to our brothers and sisters in blue for what they're dealing with. But I've had to have some real conversations with Garrison about the expectations that he has and the perception he has on law enforcement. As in, so do, are you saying that he himself perceives law enforcement as a threat a just threat. because they're law enforcement Absolutely. and because okay. he's had experience with it. Yeah. So he's taken some presuppositions from some legitimate things that have happened correct? and then projecting that upon the, at the police force mm-hmm. or whatever. Cause it, it seems to have compounded because some, some, some of the things in instance for, in particular happened in Lockhart with a law enforcement officer. There was actually a school resource officer, mm-hmm. I believe. And, um, and that has projected and kind of snowballed into um, a couple of years later than George Floyd happened. Yeah. And so I remember Garrison coming to coming down to us, and you know, as a law enforcement officer, I've I've always, you know, we we have always instructed Garrison and Daniela, hey, you know, whatever you do, when, it, when you're pulled over, not if you're pulled over, but when you're pulled over, yeah. these th- this is what is expected. I'm telling you this as a law enforcement officer. This is what expected. And when George Floyd happened, he came down to Faith, Faith and I, and says, now what do I do? You know, everything that you told me to do, George Floyd did, and he's dead. So what do you want to do? And Faith and I has had some really, some, some tearful conversations with him yeah. about, well, you sit there and you comply and you pray. And, and hopefully somebody, you know, will interject or, or react to that. I think as a nation, I now think now, you know, as a nation, we will react to that. But so for law enforcement and, um, and, and it's not to like with faith and I, we don't want to perpetuate stereotypes with law enforcement or, or interaction with law enforcement, but we do want our children to be, um, engaged with law enforcement and, and understand what is going on to the point to where, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, we truly do not try to, um, prejudice or, or perpetuate stereotypes. But if he is riding around, when he gets his driver's license, he's 14 years old now. So when he gets his driver's license, this is what is expected of you, Garrison, when you get pulled over, whether it's in Buda, whether it's in San Antonio, whether it's in, 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 in East Texas, West Texas, this is what you do. Um, and unfortunately, those conversations have been, if you are with you know, your African-American friends, you better, you know, instruct them too. This is what's expected of them. Yeah. And not mouth off and, and not, you know, yeah. which yeah. for Garrison is a challenge. A so <laughs> that's why we have these conversations. Yeah. We oh, love you, Garrison. He'll probably never listen no. to this. No, but probably not. So it doesn't have to do with football. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, so here, here, how, how do you navigate that with him? Because if he's had these experiences, and I mean, and I, and I would make the argument like about any experience you've had under any topic, you're going to, if you've had this, this negative experience or traumatic experience, and then you go into a, a similar situation, you're probably going to just be assuming that that's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. If it's racism or if it's bullying or, you know, I, 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 th- those things are different, but there's some similarities with our prejudice. Mm-hmm. So how, how, what, how have you guys helped Garrison to just not, like walk around just assuming that everybody wants to, you know, has got it out for you. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but like, I'm just trying to think like, I mean, how would I coach my son? Like, dude, you need to not be a little turd and just assume everybody hates you 
but you also need to be wise and you be respectful mm-hmm. and not mouth off or, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like so how, how have those conversations gone? So some of it too, and I don't know. Um, so again, I want to make sure everyone understands this is about our family's experiences. Yeah, so I'm yeah. certainly not telling anybody else. You're not speaking for all African-Americans no. and or Latino. And I'm not yeah, just, speaking yeah. for everyone raising a 14 year old boy. Like, yeah. But with Garrison, it can't always be that we're making it his responsibility. Because and what, do you, what do you mean by that? So it can't just be that I'm telling him that he needs to change hmm. because the fact is, is that he wears black skin a hundred percent of the time and uh, he can't yeah. get rid of that. So the whole conversation can't always be about what mm. he needs to change. For sure. It also has to be about not all people are like this one person that did this one thing. Yeah. So you can't expect that all people are like that. Yeah. And every yeah. profession, every profession, everywhere you go, there's going to be the good and there's going to be the not so good. So yeah. you can't assume that because one person in one profession or one person with one type of color of skin did this, that everyone who's like that is going to do that. Yeah. So again, it's, it's not putting it all on him. He, there is things that, and we constantly tell him, your mouth is what you control. Yeah. Even in difficult situations, I've told him, your attitude is what you can have control over. So when someone says something, how can you state that in a way that then you have control over what you're saying? Yeah. And you're not going to change the other person, but at least you're having control over what comes out of your mouth or the way you're reacting, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's having, it's highlighting the positive as well. As cliche because that mm-hmm. might sound, but it's yeah. it's it's not just looking at the nightly news and saying, okay, listen, you know this this is the way everything is, but um, but you know bringing up the good um, that people have. I mean, uh, but it's like Faye said, it's we just don't want to we don't want Garrison to think, hey, it's all on society to make your life. Yeah. It's much easier. You have responsibility, and sometimes life is not fair. And sometimes that is the way of life, you know, just challenging you and seeing what you're made of and seeing what you're wherewithal. And, yeah. um, and so we're just, it's trying to get that through a 14-year-old head um, and make it his responsibility. But just like Faye says, it's, it's us. And I try not to always harp on him for his attitude because then it's just, Oh, here comes dad again. You know, he's going to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. So I really try to like most fathers and mothers, I try to highlight the good as well. Um, and say, you know, I really appreciate when you did this for an, ex- well, just for a, a, a really interesting example. A couple weeks ago, um, we were supposed to go out with our family to the lake and do some jet skiing. Well, this, there was an instance where he was, might have to stay. He might've had to stay back and not gone. And the way he handled it, handled it great it was like wow is this the same garrison yeah and so i just made it i made it a point of really say hey 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 bud i really appreciate the way you handled that it made that day so much easier yeah turns out no one got to go jet skiing that day (laughs) so so it is what it is but um but it's i faith and i i think what 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 we're trying to portray is we don't want to seem like we're just always on the defensive waiting Mm -hmm. to snap at somebody because they said something wrong to our son or daughter. Um, but we, but there are instances that we are trying to really, you know, uh, cement in their minds about the world today and how to navigate it successfully because the world is not fair and it's not going to just come up rainbows and kittens every time. Um, Yeah, for sure. No, that's good. What ways have you seen God use y'all to help others? Um, I mean, I know you guys, you know, you've got great people that I know that highly respect and appreciate you guys, you know, and uh, a small group of folks that you guys are, I mean, after church, we, and we could, we could talk for hours, you know, um, as we've attempted many times. Um, so how, how have you seen God use you guys and, and, you know, in the experiences that you've had raising your kiddos, um, I get, well, they're teenagers, pretty much adults now. Sorry guys, but I don't know um, about that. They're, <laughs> they're closer to adults than they are children. I guess maybe we'll, we'll say that. Um, so how have you guys seen God use you guys to help other people? Do you want to start with talking about how you've been able to talk to other people about what our group has been studying? Sure. Okay. So, um, lately at work, uh, you know, it's, I don't think there's anybody 
who I know at work who doesn't know I'm a Christian and that I don't go to church. Um, usually that, that consists of, Hey, Greg, um, you guys moved to Buda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why, why'd you guys move to Buda? Well, it's closer to our church, you know, and it says, you know, it allows our, our children to be more involved with church and, and us and, you know, all of our small groups are, are here. So um, when they find out that we used to drive from Lockhart 45 minutes each direction and on nights we had a community group, we would drive home, maybe take a nap and drive all the way back from Lockhart. Yeah. So they're like, oh, that, that, that usually starts a conversation. Um, this small, this small group that Faith and I have been a part of for the last two years now, right? mm-hmm. two years, um, it's, it's lent itself to a lot of interesting conversations with, um, dealing with race and, and not just jumping on a bandwagon or, or being, uh, like really, really negative or, um, accusatory, mm. but it's opened up some, <coughs> some relationships to where we've been able to talk about race and what is going on in in the world and especially in our country right now, but um, it's uh, it started some pretty interesting conversations even with my fire chief who was born and raised in a in a Atlanta Georgia, so he's he's had some interesting. I'm sure he's I think he's about sixty years old, so he's he's experienced. Yeah. He lived uh, that history. Mm-hmm. He, he lived the history. Yeah, and so he and I have had some conversations about my growing up, his, his, his growing up in, in the fire service. And it's, a it's, it's opened my eyes. And if we have time, there's actually a, a story, um, about how kind of coming to age with me in the fire department where, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had to apologize to a few people, a few, um, of our African-American firefighters for the way that I have conducted myself early on. And it hasn't been were, you know, super negative, but I just, I, I didn't understand. And I, and I kind of, I bring that back to the way I was raised yeah. and I have, I've understood a more white or Caucasian way of growing up. And it's not to say that it's, it's, well, not to use a, uh, uh, not to be funny, but not to say it's black and white, but it's, I, I didn't understand. And I was yeah. told that early on in my <coughs> career that Greg, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, by the African American firefighters, by the African American. firefighters. And would you agree with them? Oh, absolutely. So, so, the, the, so some of your, you know, African American friends are saying, Hey Greg, like you're black, but you don't really understand us. Like that's kind of what they're saying. Absolutely. And I'm assuming there was a lot of truth to that. There was a tremendous amount of truth to it and truth that until the last four or five years, I would I was ignorant of mm-hmm. and it's it's just been recently where I've reached out to a lot of the people who um and I, I don't I won't say I, I wronged them but I've reached out to say you know what I've it's taken me this long it's taken me 20 20 years mm-hmm. but I, I get it and um and I want to apologize for not looking at different points of view earlier which is translated into you know, with Danielle and Garrison, with me having those, those, those conversations with them yeah. and saying, this is where your dad, this is where my understanding was at, you know, 21, 26, 20, 27 years old. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's been recently that I, uh, you know, I've, I think matured enough to, uh, to actually look at what I haven't done. So, um, mm. but, I forgot what the main question was. I kind of went down a rabbit trail. No, just how have you guys been able to help other people? But I was just going to mention, like, I'm not a, a cultural anthropologist or any, understand much of that stuff, but there is something that seems to be said for just because you look a certain way does not mean that you understand that culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like there, those are two different things. And so, I mean, you're black, mm-hmm. growing up in a predominantly white family, and and culturally – and you correct me from you're you you you've been more white yes culturally and Absolutely. so fascinating just how like even as an adult like even the black community sees that in you oh yeah there's it, and so just um some of the things like uh just to kind of give you a kind of a snapshot and the audience a snapshot of of the way that a lot of firefighters saw me that it, you know until about four or five years ago i mean I, I knew what they were saying but it truly didn't sink in but um you know, I had a few firefighters at my station who used to call me um, Oreo, 
because I was black on the outside, white on the inside, or uh, Trisket. Trisket? Trisket, yeah. So um, I know a lot of people in the audience are like, okay, I'd love to hear how, how this is. So I had one guy who used to call me a Trisket. And after about a week or two of this, I'm like, why are you calling me a Trisket? He goes, oh, because you're not quite a cracker. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. Okay. Oh, my word. Sorry. I, no, 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 no. It's, I mean, just trust me. Um, as a firefighter, you got to have a pretty thick skin. You I, I could imagine. Yes. I could imagine. Yeah. And so um, that kind of, you know, that kind of set the stage for my understanding. And, yeah. you know, in, <clears throat> into now um, to where I find myself and my my level of understanding about 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 the past here in Texas and the past yeah. here of our nation and where we're going and how I can help raise um, two black children in this environment where even to even to this day my kids are still called the n-word at school and um, you know I just I would hope that in 2022 that we would be past this and you know faith and I look at each other sometimes <coughs> and said well maybe when they're 51 they'll maybe get past it or maybe our, our country, uh, you know, that won't be a thing anymore, but I, I don't yeah. know. But in the meantime, we're trying to give them an understanding of, of, you know, where these, uh, where these sentiments and where this, where this, you know, all came from yeah. in order so they can maybe help, um, <coughs> affect change as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I dominate a lot of that. I'm sorry. That's all right. No, and I keep. Well, I, I'm just. I'm fascinated. Like, <laughs> um, it's just, um, <clears throat> the the word white white privilege is thrown around a lot, and I, th um, and I'm not making any statements. It's just something that sticks better with me. I think parent privilege is a better phrase. At least it's from from what I understand about the context. Like, you reap the benefits of the parents mm -hmm. that you had. Yes, and that and and there's blessings in that, and you picked up some sinful things I'm assuming from them as well. Like, Absolutely. and so, so, you know, and, and I would say mostly the benefit, the privilege I received from my family growing up was not <laughs> a whole lot at all. So there wasn't much there in terms of privilege. Uh, and so just, it's just fascinating how culture and, um, can really have a huge effect on, you know, I mean, our upbringing and all of, I'm just, it's just a fascinating <laughs> thing. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, um, any other specific things you want to mention about ways that uh, God has used you guys to like love on encourage and maybe even smack a few people once in a while appropriately? <laughs> so I can say two things like um, in the Christian realm, there have been um, people that I've come out and said when, especially when everything was happening with George Floyd, because it was so, there's so much going on at that time. Um, that they just said, can we have a candid conversation with you? Cause we don't understand this and we want to yeah. understand, but we don't. So I think just being in a Christian circle where people know they can come to us and ask honest questions without judgment, because I want anyone to be able to come up to us and ask any question. I'd rather have them come up to us and ask and either get a, a different perspective because of what we've said or see things in the way, you know, that we've seen through, reading the Bible and things like that. Like it just kind of has opened up some conversations mm. I don't think would have ever happened. Yeah. Now we both work in the public sector. So we're both um, working in the public sector. And as you know, in the news, there's a lot of hate towards evangelicals um, oh, yes. out in that <coughs> world. So for me too, um, it's allowed me to say I am a Christian, you know, and a lot of what's being thrown out in the news is not really Christ-like. It's not. Um, it's not portraying who Jesus actually is and was and what He did for us. So it's opened up those conversations of like, I get the news is saying that, but I am a Christian. Do you see me acting in the ways that you're assuming all evangelicals yeah. act? or what yeah. the news is showing that evangelicals are acting like. So again, at both our workspaces, which I would say are predominantly non-Christian, um, everyone knows we are Christian. So um, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. How has this like affected your marriage? Like, I mean, I would assume top, you, you guys are having questions about or conversations about topics under the umbrella of just 
we're raising black kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be something you guys talk about all the time. And I'm assuming it's not one of those like, you know, we're going to have this once a year conversation. No. Like, I mean, that's pro- far fetched from that is my assumption. And so how has this like affected your guys's marriage? I'll start on this because I think, um, and it was a long time ago when we first met, actually, we were, we were very good friends before we started dating. Um, and once we started dating, I realized then, cause you were talking about your skin might not be reflective of your culture. Yeah. So I've never felt like I belong in white spaces, mm. especially having moved from Peru to the United States. Everyone assumed I was going to be like them. So no one took yeah. the time to really get to know me or, or cared to honestly. And it was not out of meanness or cruelty. They just assumed that I was like them cause I looked like them. Yeah. Um, and then for the same with Moose, like he's black who grew up in a very white world. So I think from the beginning that bonded us because I totally understood like how he had a lot of upbringing that was not similar to his skin color yet people were judging him on what he looked like instead of who he was and I felt the same way Hmm. and I never felt like anyone understood that in my life except for my family because they were experienced the same thing until I met him so I think from the beginning we very much have bonded on the fact that we get that we're being judged and people, I mean, it's crazy to me the things people will say to me because they think it's, they can, they can, because I must think like they do, you know, you have an example of, um, yeah, like I was in the dentist office and the, or no, the eye doctor and the lady who was taking whatever my blood pressure, whatever she was doing, cause she still have to do that. Um, she, she was making all these insinuations about schooling and where she lives and I don't know what. And I'm like, what exactly are you referring to? She's like, well, I would never want to live in a black neighborhood. Oh. And I was like, I can't even say anything right now. Like you just get tired yeah, of constantly trying yeah. to re- like constantly trying to make people yeah. understand. And I'm like, I am not in relationship with you. I don't have the energy to have this discussion with you. Yeah. But again, you know, yeah. I'm like, I just wanted to take my wallet out and say, this is my family. But what's the purpose of that? Like, I don't want to shame either, but it's one of those conversations where I'm like, I just can't have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people will make conversations about bilingualism or speaking another language. However, everyone thinks it's fantastic that I speak Spanish and I don't understand that I can be bilingual. Is it because I'm white? But a Hispanic child being bilingual is not okay. Like they should only speak English. So there's a lot of conversations where people come up to me and say like a lot. And my my master's degree is bilingual bicultural studies. Like, so I know bilingual education. I know the brain science behind it. I know all of that. So a lot of people will come and say things. And I'm like, it's out of ignorance. And it's not because they have an ugly heart. It's just they haven't studied it. They don't get it. So anyway. Yeah. No, it makes sense other ways that our marriage has been strengthened. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, with Faith and I meeting in college, uh, growing up, there was one instance in, in particular in high school where uh, me and uh, I think I was a, I was a junior and I was um, interested in a, uh, I think she was a sophomore. So, you know, I was cradle robin, I guess. And Remember, we're supposed to be talking about our marriage. <laughs> no, 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 Why are you talking it's about gonna a girl you It's going to fit in. It's going gonna, gonna to bring it back, you know. This is going to dovetail perfectly <laughs> into this conversation. I love it. <laughs> and so um, I remember that uh, we were, you know, interested in each other, and she was Caucasian, and uh, uh, she was all excited, uh, found out that she wanted me to answer to a dance. I asked her to the dance. She was excited. She says, I'd love to. Uh, she went home that night. The next day, she comes in with this look on her face, which is well, a, a feeling of something's wrong. And I go, what's wrong? She goes, well, I can't go with you anymore. Oh, okay, so just you're busy that day or something like that or what? And you know, through a little bit of pride, because I, I was in high school, I didn't know just to knock it off and just, you know, I didn't know what was going on. Well, it turns out her, you know, her dad asked to, to see a picture of me in the yearbook. And once he found out I was black, he told her no. And so uh, that was super, super hurtful yeah. because this guy, he, did, he didn't know me. He just knew that I was a black kid and that for some reason that was not okay with, with, his, with his way of, of, of raising his family. Yeah. So I think that's what, and this is where it does tell faith. Mm, is, I'm waiting. <laughs> is, you know, 
the know that, you know, that just didn't even cross face mind that she loved me for who I was, not because, you know, yeah. she, she could care less if I was black, brown, you know, you know, really, you know, whiter than white. It didn't matter. It's just our, our, our lives connected. So it's made us stronger in our marriage for the last 28 years. And it's, it's because of, you know, who we grew up with as, and our beliefs. And, um, like I said, this 20 years has gone by pretty quick. Yes. It's been glorious. Yes. I think too, like, um, because we've had to deal with so many situations, you know, like going to a restaurant where we knew we better turn around and leave. Like there's just been so many situations for us that it's just nice to know that we have each other's back. Like, um, because people don't believe that happens Mm. or they'll think it wasn't quite such a big deal. And so it, it just, it gets exhausting, like always trying to be okay with the fact that people can't just believe you that it was hurtful. And so, um, because of that, like we rely on each other a lot, like just to hear each other out or if I'm hurt or upset about something, he's got my back. Like, and the other thing is like, he was a police officer and I am an educator. So like, we don't have exactly the same perspectives on stuff. We we get yeah. into arguments about, but what about this? Well, you can think of that. Not arguments. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it's good because we, we understand like perspective is a lot. And perspective is not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just what you come to the table with. And sometimes yeah. it's not quite as accurate as it could be. So we help each other see like, okay, from the law enforcement side, can you tell me this? Or from education, can you tell like we, we really do rely on each other to be honest about all of this because we're the only two we have. Yeah, There's nobody else we can rely on for this. Um, especially with raising our kids now too. Like we don't have other couples who are raising black kids that are a mixed race family like ours. Um, so we have to, you know, pray for our kids in a different way, listen to them in a different way, respond to them in a different way than what any of our friends have to. So we have to go to each other for that. Yeah, for sure. No, it makes sense. Um, how do other followers of Jesus need to know about this subject? Like if, if we, you know, were to throw you up on stage and say on a Sunday morning at Austin Oaks and say, Hey, here's a couple of things, general principles that you should know about this subject matter. What, what, what would that be? And I mean, there's, I mean, there's probably, a, I mean, you know, we, you could talk for hours and hours and hours and we could bring up another couple mm-hmm. that maybe that are very similar and they may say 50,000 totally different, different things, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so it's not so much about like, you know, here's the specific thing in this mm-hmm. specific situation, but just general principles that, um, that would help guide other people to be, uh, more culturally and racially sensitive and, and appropriate. And can I start? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So I think, first of all, is this posture of humility. Um, I think we've lost a lot of that um, because we think that our ways and everything should, like what we think should be 100% right because I'm a Christian, for example. Um, So I think when you come across another Christian who might not have the same perspective that you do, it's... I feel like a lot of Christians then divide instead of put themselves in a posture of humility and listen with an open heart. And, you know, God commands us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love others. How can we love others if we're constantly trying to be divisive? Like what separates us instead of the most important thing that actually unites us, right? And that's that God sent Jesus Jesus died on the cross for all of us because we are all sinners all the time. Yeah. And because of that, like we have that to keep us together. So when somebody, a fellow Christian comes to us with a hurt or an experience that be humble, listen, care, pray for, don't try and rationalize whether what they went through was right or wrong or put it on a degree of how right or wrong it was. Just be humble, be there, listen. Um, because I feel like we've kind of lost that in this society. And when we look, when you look and see how even in Austin, there's not a whole lot of African-Americans who even live in Austin, but we are pretty, um, 
color separated across the city. And so I think, you know, a lot of us, especially in our work, we come across people with a lot of different cultural backgrounds. We have to be sensitive to the fact that we don't know what they're coming from, just like you with your experience from home, a lot of things could have been made assumptions of that you've grown up in this Christian family Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's when you hear somebody and and I'm not going to question how you felt as a child growing up in the environment that you did, because I don't know, but I'm going to listen and I'm going to have a heart and empathy for what you went through because I care about you because you know what, Jesus died for both of us. So, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of this up, you know, ditto from what Faith said, but it's um, coming with an open, an open mind, and being and wanting to, 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 to learn what, what I mean, um, you know, the United States, you know, we're all these different cultures coming, coming into one, and I, I think it's, it's not right to call us a melting pot anymore. No, no. So I'm not going to use the word melting pot, but, but we have lots of different cultures, and you know that consist and make up this United States. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it makes it very interesting. I mean, it's, I, I don't, I would never want personally, I'm, I'm, this is nothing against growing up in Peru, but I really do love and like the fact that I grew up in Southern California in the seventies, eighties. And, and now I'm out here in Texas and there's, there's different cultures out, out here for sure. Um, but it's op- it's listening with an open heart and an open mind and not coming to somebody um, and asking them a question and you you already have the answer for for them yeah it's truly listening and being able to uh, you know digest what they're saying so and like I'll give yeah. one example that's completely not even to do with culture or race um, but I'm a public school educator and in church different families make different decisions about education for their children oh absolutely Especially in this town. Absolutely. There's a lot of options. Absolutely. Crazy amounts of options. And I don't have the right to judge you if you choose to send your child to a private school, nor you if you choose to send your child or, or homeschool your child. It, I've prayed, we've prayed about what education was right for our kids, and we made that decision. I am totally thinking you've done the same for your children, and that's why you've made the decision you did. So... I will applaud you with your homeschooling experiences. I will applaud you with your private school experiences, even though I'm a public school educator, have been for 30 years. Yeah. But I really have a hard time when people make comments about public school education and yeah. the work that we're doing without having any idea about the students we serve, about the situations we're dealing with that are very difficult. For sure. And in my work... I've been able to, you know, I've had the opportunity. I mean, we've, we fostered one of our, one of my kids for a year. Mm. Like we've done so much to just be Jesus. And it's not because we're amazing. It's because God offered this opportunity to us. But I think it's those conversations. Like just because God is calling you to something, that's fine. But it doesn't give you authority to talk negatively about what somebody else, God might've called somebody else to. Yeah. Well said. I, I appreciate. It. I do hold the right to judge those people. Actually, though, no. you do not. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. Well, and, and it's and I mean, I, I've wrestled with that a little bit. Growing up, extremely poor, extremely, extremely poor, even within worldly standards, uh, and then you know, being in a a church and a, a part of the world that is very well off, like very, very, very well off. Yep. Yes. Like I've had to. I've had to hold my tongue when I interact with even some people at our church that I'm like, man, I just, I do not relate to you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like, and, and so there's some things even in that, that I've had to now wrestle with. And mm-hmm. sometimes comments are made and I'm just like, the only reason I'm not grabbing a two by four right now is <laughs> because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be holy. But let me tell you, if you knew it was in my mind right now, you'd be like, we should fire this mug. Yeah. Anyway, just so I, well said, I, I, and I think that, um, that applies to about anything. It does. I mean, it really just, I think, I do think we live in a culture where everybody's an expert on everything, but you're really not, not. like you're, I mean, just because you can, you know, 
read about it on Facebook yeah. or on Twitter or Google it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or see it on the news media. Yeah. And I've, I've, the last couple of years I've harped on students to be like, man, my teacher's so dumb. They don't know what they're mm-hmm. doing. I'm like, oh, really? The, the one who has a master's degree and yes. 30 years experience, that teacher, yeah. that, that, that teacher, you, you know better than them. Yeah. Like, I'd love to hear this logical arg- argument. Go ahead, homie. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, and then they're like, uh, and I'm like, that's right. Like, no, like you need to just, but there's also just, a, I think a lot, oftentimes we just assume the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Yes. We just assume that so-and-so is unwise and didn't pray about it. So well, well said, well said. And also if we're uncomfortable with something, we as, we want to be able to say my ways right because I feel comfortable with that instead of being okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And the only truth is what the Bible says. Yes. That's the only truth we can stand on. So everything else, really, you should be open to listening. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let, me, uh, I'm, let me ask this. What... So I, I hear a phrase sometimes, uh, and I don't know what to do with it. Um, so I've heard many times where people have said, you know, Sunday morning is the most uh, prejudiced time throughout the week or s- segregated, maybe segregated is the, the, the right term, like the most segregated time. Um, and I've thought about this some, not not a whole lot, but um, in many ways, I mean, I do wish our church was more cultural. I mean, if there was, you know, a, a lot more, I'd, I'd still, I'd still say the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, but, um, what, w- what are your guys' thoughts on just the fact that like, I mean, w- I mean, Austin's pretty diverse in many ways. Um, even, even one skin color can represent a whole lot of cult. I mean, Nueva Vida, I mean, there, there's like, I don't know, 30 different countries, countries. represented. I mean, yeah. it's like, and I mean, they and may not all those countries will act the same way oh, no. and eat the same food. Oh and do no. All that, like, so. so part of me is like, man, I'm, I'm not really grateful <laughs> that I don't have that job. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, this is, I guess it is similar, but just different. And so like when you hear that phrase, what do you guys think to when, you know, like Sunday mornings, the most, you know, segregated time, uh, you know, throughout the week or whatever. And, and I think what most people say when they hear that is like, well, the church doesn't do a good job of, of reaching, I don't know, other people groups or whatever. And that, that, that may be what they think by, by that or maybe not. But what, what are your guys' thoughts on, on that particular aspect? Does that make sense? It yeah. does. Wanna- and I'm not asking you to speak for all, no, but, but just, just from your experience. And because and, um, if you like it or not, God's wired you and given you the cultural backgrounds mm-hmm. and the skin color you got. So uh, we're going to just make the best of it, you know? So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, th- I think people should go to the place of worship that they feel they can worship with fellow Christians in and praise God and learn. Yeah. So, um, and I, I don't think the color of your skin should determine that. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, but I'll say, so I agree, but at the same time, if there wants to be an all black church, because that's how they feel like they can worship and I'm not going to judge that at all. Um, and, but my hope is that if I walked in, they would be okay with me joining them. Right. Um, so I do think though, the one thing is that I think we have to be more intentional about, about learning about how other Christians worship and maybe being in their spaces. And the only reason why is because we're going to learn about God in a whole new way mm-hmm. by being in a space we might not be comfortable with. And um, we might learn from them things about God that we wouldn't have had we stayed in a space that was the same. Yeah. Now, so I'm not saying go church hopping either, but I think it'd be great if churches with different cultural or, or race uh, color groups could do more intentional work of sometimes having time come together. Yeah. Um, just even with Nueva Vida, I remember one time Omar uh, preached in Spanish. I thought it was great. I'm sure it made a lot of people uncomfortable because it's not fun to listen to a translator. It's more work. Yeah. But at the same time, there's, you know, seeing Omar's passion when he preaches in Spanish was a great experience. So it's those more intentional experiences where I think we rob ourselves from, from seeing God in new ways by staying within our very comfortable groups. Yeah. And even with pastor Charles, you know, when pastor Charles is here, it's a, it's a great experience. I mean, it's uh, the way that he preaches, the way that he is, you know, very emphatic about, you know, the voice inflections and all that. And just, it's, it's, it's great. And it's, um, you know, just like the way of the Vida, 
it's it's a it's a change up where it allows you know our congregation Nueva Libida congregation to come come together yeah. and and to worship as one. Um, I forgot uh, I had a point I was going towards and it just escaped me. No worries. Um, and I mean it makes it makes you flex uh, flex those muscles a little bit. You know <laughs> I mean it because it because even when Charles I'm like leaning in, I'm like what's yes. that homie saying like what's what did Mo say Melissa like you know so it. And honestly, it's it's easier to pay attention. <laughs> I mean, it really, it, like, uh, I mean, not that others that preach are, no. you know, not no. as good or whatever, but it, it's good for those muscles to be flexed and stretched mm-hmm. and in those ways and given given our people just a, a different, you know, understanding and help them appreciate the fact that, like, you know, the way we do church is, I mean, it's biblical, mm-hmm. but it's not. There's freedom, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, within the context of Scripture for us to do certain things and stuff, and so it's good for students to experience those things. And should going to church be... 100% comfortable. No. It, so then how do we include yeah. that discomfort that really is helping God shape us to loving him in yeah. new ways and loving others? Yeah, absolutely. It is a fascinating thing how, as a pastor, we try really hard to make people feel comfortable, I think. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm like, Why? maybe we should make them feel uncomfortable on purpose. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just, no, it, it, you know, and some, so sometimes you got to get out of that little comfort zone. And, um, in, in a world that's kind of pushing us into exclusion, mm-hmm. you know, for the church to to come, you know, push inclusion, it's 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 rough sometimes because some people's mindset are, well, I don't want to, and I'm comfortable in this and X, Y, or Z group, and I don't want to explore these other groups either because I have a preconceived notion of what that other group may or may not worship like, and that's not the way I worship. Yeah. And so I want to not have part of that. Whereas just like face it, if I, if we were to go to an all, an all black church, you know, probably, probably on the East side. Um, and we walked in, I hope that we would not be discouraged to leave or yeah. excluded. I would hope it like, come on in, you know, people meeting us afterward and maybe not just bombarding us, but you know, really welcoming us. And, uh, even if it was just for one Sunday or two Sundays, uh, but, you know, with Austin Oaks, I know that we'd be that that we are the type of church who would be who would welcome anybody who comes to those doors. We are we are welcoming 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 them to welcoming welcoming them. Thank you, welcome, You're welcome. them. Oh my goodness, You're doing great, great. Yeah, um, just glad you brought your wife. <laughs> okay, he looked to me for help. I wasn't trying to be over here. No, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> Designated hitter. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, last question. Um, what in what ways has the church uh, gotten this wrong? And I'm obviously when you say the church, do you mean the church as a whole, or do you yeah, mean Austin yeah, Oaks like church? Uh, well, I, let's just you know we're all three members of Austin Oaks. Let's pick on Austin Oaks. So, in what ways has Austin Oaks? And this is your personal opinion, you Absolutely. know. And so, um, you know, without you know throwing pastors under the bus, no. we'll do that off off of <laughs> when I hit unrecord here. But but just you know, and just general things like what what are some things that the, how the church is maybe not done great at it. Cause I mean, the church is not perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, nor the people in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, <laughs> it's just, we're a bunch of sinners trying to, you know, yes. just serve a holy God. So, but in what ways has, you know, Austin Oaks just maybe not done a great job of, of, um, just in this topic, in this, in this, uh, realm here. I think they've avoided it. Meaning. Meaning no one's talking about it. So, And I get the discomfort because we have to deal with that all the time. Yeah. But for our youth, and I'm going to go to youth now, like our kids are being bombarded all the time. Not, not Danielle and Garrison. All these kids are being bombarded all the time about what should we think about as far as race. And if we're not going to speak biblical truth about race in the church, then who are they going to listen to? Yeah. So, I don't, I don't feel like it's been talked at all. And I don't mean getting up on the pulpit and talking, you know, having a a sermon about race. Just not a sermon, just not one sermon on the topic and then be like, check that box kind of, kind of thing you're saying. Racism is a sin. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. Like let's talk. And, and I truly believe that the people at Austin Oaks church love Jesus and love people. 
But when we don't talk about it, you don't realize, just like my black husband who grew up in a white family didn't realize some of the prejudices he was holding onto that he didn't realize until he was older. And, and it's not because you're bad or you're wrong, but it's allowing people to be able to see things in themselves that you're like, wow, I was looking at that in a, in a way that wasn't Christian, mm. you know, or avoiding groups of people because I was uncomfortable and God's calling us to serve all. How about you? Sorry, I've kind of no, no, no. That's uh, that's 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 spot on. I think it's having it's having the conversations, and some people are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. They are going to be uncomfortable, and and that's know, okay. And, yeah, and it's okay. I mean, I think in society we're we're so used to just kind of that comfort zone, mm-hmm. and if somebody pushes us out of it, um, we become defensive or we just av- av- avoiders. Yeah. So just. And, it, you know, I, I don't want to say continually have the conversations to where you're just, you know, you're just bombarding them so, so much that they want to leave. But, you know, churches throughout Austin need to, so wherever they go, if they do decide, well, Austin Oaks is, you know, harping on this too much, I'm going to go to this church. And this church is, 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 is having the same conversations. Well, I don't like that. I'm going to go to this church. Well, all these churches are having this conversation. Maybe I'm the common denominator. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to open up my heart and my ears and 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 figure out and with an open heart you know really ask god to show me hey what what is it you want me to know about this there's something that's going on that 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 i need to be part of yeah and like i said it took me 47 years for for me to wake up and really start understanding what i wasn't understanding Hmm. and this is you know i just i was just i was living in a different zone so um, as a church, uh, I think it's just having those conversations, especially with our youth, because if our, our kids, you know, yeah, you know, some of the conversations that they're having are not with us. A lot of them are not with us. Oh yeah. And so yeah. if they're, if they're going to be the salt and the light, they need to go in there, you know, armed with the truth and with, you know, um, you know, pillars of understanding and, and uh, ways to retort to questions and and talk to their friends about Christ and about and about you know the differences in race and culture. Yeah. And I like I say faith that I just don't think we're we're arming them with that. I think what they see on the news is just a bunch of a, a bunch of people being divided. Hmm. And there's there isn't there 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 are definitely stories of reconciliation and and coming together. But I think that's not what sells papers that's not what is sensational that's not what we we really like to hear we like to hear the dirt yeah and so um and like for our our kids and i know daniela has a lot of friends that are hispanic too like when it's not being talked about then it seems like it's a shameful topic to Mm -hmm. talk about so it basically is like we're not going to talk about this so it doesn't matter and Mm -hmm. i know that's not the intent but that's the way it feels. Like even when we told Daniela we were doing this, she said, why? Nobody cares. Mm. So I think when we don't talk about it, we have to be very careful about what messaging that's giving to the people who it's hurt, who are dealing with it the most. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, we have people in our church who are dealing with it. And if we're not talking about it at all, um, I just feel like we're not, you know, we're assuming our way is, is okay. And there's too many things right now that are not okay. And we have to be the church that says, this is not okay. Come, we love you. You know, we want to listen to you. We want to be there to support you. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Any, any last minute thoughts you guys want to share before we (coughs) wrap it up here? I don't Yeah. I mean, um, just with, you know, uh, approachableness. You know, I think some people, you know, might not, might be afraid to ask questions. You know, to be Hispanic, African American, um, our our Indian community, and you know, I I just want people to know. I mean, I'm speaking for faith and moves here, but but um, you know, we're we're. I want to, people to know that we are that that we are approachable. Yeah. And uh, please, if you have questions, if you want to have a conversation, and don't feel it has to, you know, we just have to deep dive. If just to want to, if you just want to scratch the surface, let's just scratch the surface. Yeah. Or, um, 
we're open books. I like to be transparent. Sometimes I'm too transparent. I'm told that at work sometimes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'll try not to, uh, you know, uh, uh, overly talk, talk it up. But um, I think, you know, just the, the wanting to know for people of color, sometimes that is so refreshing. And, and I think people, um, you know, from from and I, I know that we keep picking on the Caucasian and white and all that, but I think they might be afraid or a little apprehensive to come talk to somebody and ask them that because they don't want they might see it come it is it comes off as as um, maybe even a little bit of racism on their part, but it's it's not if you are coming up and asking and saying hey what's your experience you know I want to I want to understand better. Yeah, um, it's like me. You know, there are plenty of people who I've I've spoken to, in police work, fire in, in the fire department, where you find out you know their background, and it's like, man, tell me more. Yeah, tell me more. I want I want to. And there's it's 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 eye opening. There's a big world out there. Oh man, yeah. And uh, you know the history, um, even them in my 51 short short years on this earth, uh, we've seen a lot of change, and you know we always hope that it's going to be a better it's going to be a better time for our, 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 our children. And I don't think it's going to be unless we have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Faith will not cook for you, but you are welcome to come to our house <laughs> and ask any question at any time. It is not a gift that was given by God to her. So we'll just get that out there, <laughs> but you can come to my house anytime. Well, I appreciate you guys very much. Yeah. Very, very grateful for your time. Thank you, Lucas, for yeah, having us. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today on the House on Fire podcast. Please share this so others can be blessed by the conversation we had today. And we'll see you all next time.